All right. Well, good morning, Docs of Church. Guys, go ahead and grab your Bibles and find your way to Daniel chapter five or chapter twelve, rather, guys. If you're if you're new today and visiting Doxa and we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here, and you're joining us today as we conclude a twelve week study through the great Old Testament book of Daniel, where we have just been taking kind of like one chapter at a time, kind of walking through verse by verse, seeking to discover the gospel, really the good news of God, according to this man, Daniel. But as we get into chapter 12 today, this final chapter of the book, Daniel, at this point, he's an elderly man. That if you have been along for the last 12 weeks, you remember as we opened up this book, we began looking at a segment of history that occurred around 2,500 years ago. And chapter one really just began with introducing us to this, this guy, Daniel, who at the time was a teenager living in a place called Judah. But then we know from history that around 605 BC, the nation of Babylon, invaded Daniel's home, and Daniel was taken as a slave, really a prisoner of war, and made to live in a place called Babylon underneath the historical tyrannical king, Nebuchadnezzar. And he was living his life in Babylon throughout this entire book, which is modern-day Iraq, but through the entirety of the book of Daniel. Guys, we've watched his life in captivity as he walked faithfully with God in the midst of great hardship and opposition. We've been seeing this chapter after chapter that Daniel's life was not a life that was just really, really easy. It was marked with a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of hardship. And in chapter 12 today, all right, Daniel's around 85 to 90 years old. He's at the end of his life and he's receiving a vision from God concerning the future beyond the horizon of his life. And while Daniel has received several visions that we've looked at since coming into chapter seven, which have really just kind of contained themselves into one single chapter, we've realized that this last vision that he's receiving actually span three chapters. And we've been looking at chapter 10, 11, and 12 over the last couple weeks. But chapter 10, if you remember, showed us how the vision came to Daniel, that God sent a messenger. He sent an angel to speak to him. And as we watch this unfold in chapter 10, we kind of learned of the great spiritual reality that we live in, that there is a lot more going on in our world and around our lives than we ever think and see and imagine. And then we got into chapter 11 last week where we kind of learned the content of this vision and we saw that this vision was a vision of the future concerning the hardships of God's people. And it was pointing to the coming historical king that was a very wicked man, Antiochus Epiphanes from the Greek Solution Empire, that he would come on the scene and persecute the Jewish people to a heavy degree, killing upwards of 80,000 of them, selling 40,000 into slavery, and then keeping 40,000 as slaves himself. And on top of that, he desecrated their temple. It was a very wicked time. Daniel didn't actually live to see this, but through historical records outside the Bible, we know that this actually just came to pass just as God revealed to Daniel. But also, as we looked at chapter 11 last week, it showed the future past Antiochus and his genocide and oppression of God's people to the future, even past our present day concerning the end of time. And if you look back, this is chapter 11, starting in verse 36, but it actually continues on through chapter 12, through verse 4, is where this vision concludes. And so chapter 12, guys, just talks about the end of time, or as some people would call it, the end times or the end of the world. 
And so I just want to say this as we get into this. If you're new and this is your first time at Doxa, I want to welcome you again. You picked an interesting week to come, okay? So buckle up. The end of the world, it's going to be great. You could have picked a different Sunday, and maybe if you came and a couple months ago, we would have been talking about sex in 1 Corinthians. So you pick which one, end of the world, sex, whatever. But just come back next week. We'll be doing Christmas. It'll be easier to swallow for you maybe, all right? But guys, here's where we're at. I want to tell you that this is the reason that we teach the Bible the way that we do. We just go through books of the Bible because we believe what 2 Timothy 3.16 says is actually true. That all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable to us. And I'll tell you that in the midst of a heavy topic like the end of time, there are some amazing promises that God gives us. And I've been praying that as we go through this chapter that you're given some hope and some perspective and some strength to walk through your everyday stuff of life, especially the hard times, all the way to the end that God intends for all of his children. But as we get into this, the first four verses of chapter 12 are a continuation of the vision from chapter 11 concerning the coming of the Antichrist, God's great enemy that we talked about last week. And then verses five through 13, which close out this book, is really just the conclusion of the final moments of Daniel's experience. And all this falls underneath the umbrella of of the word eschatology, and really just a a theological term referring to the study of the end times. And so what I wanna give you today is this, five eschatological truths about life. Five things we learn from Daniel chapter 12 that will give understanding and perspective, hope, joy, and strength to your life. And the first truth is this, is that God rescues in times of trouble. Look at verse one. At that time, all right, so the angel who is giving Daniel this vision is talking about the time that was just mentioned back in chapter 11 about the end of human history, a day that's coming in the future where the Antichrist will rise, Jesus will come back, and this is the time that Jesus himself actually talks about if you look at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24 and 25. But at that time, shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there, since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. So here's what we need to know. Guys, as we consider this chapter, this vision is kind of like a a snapshot of the future that gives us some clarity of the end of the time, of the end of the world, but it also raises a lot of questions. In fact, if you just look down to verse 8, Daniel is hearing all of this stuff and he says, man, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm not really understanding everything. And he even asks a question in verse 8 and he's like, okay, I hear you, but how is this all going to happen? How is this all going to go down? And if you notice, he's not given all the answers but he's given exactly what he needed to know. And this chapter, guys, is just so dense, and it can be a little bit confusing, actually a lot of bit confusing as we get into this, but if you just consider other parts of Scripture, like the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah, Hosea, Joel, Micah, Zechariah, and the book of Revelation, we get a more full picture because it's all painted together as one beautiful picture. But the truth is, is we sat here for the next few hours and went all around the Bible, we would certainly be able to fill in a lot of the gaps and get a more full understanding of all this. But even if we did that, I want you to know that there are different ways that scholars and theologians interpret all these end time events. 
And so here's what I'm going to attempt to do, okay? I'm going to try and be faithful to Daniel chapter 12 here. I'm going to explain what's going on, kind of coloring in some of the details until I see you kind of checking out, getting overwhelmed or bored, okay? And then what I'm going to do is tonight, I'm going to send out an email to our church family full of a bunch of resources, all right, for you to kind of, if you want to take a deeper dive into the theology of Daniel, you'll have a good place to start with that. But what we see from verse one is that God rescues in times of trouble. That as we approach the end of history, what we see throughout the scriptures is that things will get worse and worse and worse in our world as the conflict between God and his enemy, Satan, ultimately escalates into the finality of human history. That there will come a time of great conflict and turmoil and hardship. Some people call it tribulation. And this will be when the Antichrist rises to power in our world, he sets himself up as the world ruler, really presents himself as God to be worshiped, and then specifically sets his sights on making war against God's people, the Jewish people. That if you look back in verse one and seven, where it says it speaks about your people and the holy people, this is specifically referring to the Jews who are God's chosen people. And at this time, things are gonna get really bad for them. And so this is ultimately what we're looking at, very much concerning the Jewish people, but it's also all God's people, non-Jews who have been grafted into the family of God by Jesus, okay? This is Romans chapter 11 and Ephesians chapter three. And as we look at this and even think about it, guys, this is a very grim picture of the future. And I know that in our culture, in our society, we can kind of think like, wow, we're improving as people, but things are just getting worse and worse and worse. And what we're gonna see is towards the end, it's gonna get really bad. And to this idea, the, the philosopher John Lennox, he says it like this, and I quote, it's hard to get one's mind around this grim statement. The time of Antiochus was horrendous. The Holocaust surpasses description, but Daniel indicates that there is even worse to come at the end of time. And the truth is, we don't know when this will come. If you ever got on YouTube and you find a guy that kind of has a whiteboard and looks like he's in his basement and says, here's the time, stay away from that guy, okay? We don't know, but it will in fact come. And if we look at places like Ezekiel 38 or Revelation 16 and 19, this is the great final battle called Armageddon. And even if you're new to the church and you're new to the Bible, you've heard of Armageddon, but don't think like Aerosmith and Bruce Willis. I want you to think like a great world war. This is what's gonna happen. And as some people think about this and they hear about the end of the world, they hear about the tribulation and the hard times to come, some people will get terrified. They'll get really worried about this, but I want you to look back to verse one. At that time, your people shall be delivered. Now this is good news, but I need you to see something here. It doesn't say that all people will be delivered, but specifically your people. And this is pointing to God's people that will in fact be delivered. And so if you're one of God's people, who Jesus is your God, he's, he's talking about you here. And it mentions Michael as the one who's gonna rise up and fight for God's people at this time. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but there are only two angels in the Bible that are named. We saw Gabriel a few weeks ago, and here, Michael. And Gabriel is just this messenger angel who comes and he helps. But as we see here with Michael, and if we look at Jude, Jude 9, we see that Michael is a warrior. He's called the archangel. 
And Michael is the special angel that is over and protects and fights for Israel who are God's chosen people. And again, we learned of this in Daniel chapter 10 as we talked about the spiritual battle that's raging on in our world all around us. But what this is saying is that when tribulation comes, God assigns to his people divine help to deliver them. And ultimately, we know from the book of Revelation that around this time, the Lord Jesus will return. He will defeat Satan, sin, death, and hell. But here is what you need to know. Guys, at this terrible time, for God's people who live through it, there is a rescue coming. There's a rescue coming, but I need you to hear this. In every time, it's not just a future time, but in every time of hardship that we walk through in life, guys, there is always a promise by God of help and rescue. And if you need to be reminded of this, go back and listen to the sermons on Daniel chapter three and Daniel chapter 10, that God is always at work fighting for his people, protecting his people and helping his people. So Christian, let me just encourage you this morning. I need you to know that when you feel helpless and hopeless and alone, those things, Christian, are actually never true of you. You're never helpless, you're never hopeless, you're never alone because God is with you and he is fighting with you and his host of heavenly beings are fighting on your behalf, making a way forward for you. And it might not be the way forward that you would have planned and that you desire, but if we know that God is love and that God is good and that God is Father, then we can actually trust him that there is a beautiful, perfect plan for our good ahead of us if we follow that way. And that is a really easy thing to say amen to, but is a really hard thing to grasp hold of and walk through the difficult time, trusting that God is good. But this is what we see throughout the scriptures about the end time, but we've also been watching this about Daniel's life, that God rescues in times of trouble. Now look at verse two. Here's the second eschatological truth about life. You need to know that this current life is not the end. Verse two. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteous like the stars forever, like the stars forever and ever. All right, so here's what you need to know. Guys, you are an eternal being. Don't know if you know that or not, but you are actually an eternal being. And there will most definitely come a time for every single one of us where we will take our last breath here on earth and our physical body will in fact die. But I need you to know that this is not the end of the story. It's not the end of your story. And and this ultimately begs a question, right? It's like what happens after you die? Chances are you've thought about this, right? People have asked you this, but like there are historically a number of different positions that people hold. I'll share a few of them, okay? So naturalism, for example. There, it really just is a, is a common stance among atheist ideology and theology today, which really just says that human beings are merely physical beings. They're not spiritual at all. And so when we die, since we don't have a soul, your body just goes into the ground and you just cease to exist. And if you hold to that view, guys, honestly, like a, a hedonistic, humanistic uh, lifestyle makes complete sense because if this is the life, if this is the only life that we have, like we better enjoy it to the max, right? So just do whatever you want. That makes total sense if you actually believe that. Universalism is, a, is another view that says when we die, everyone goes to heaven and everybody is with God forever, regardless of religion and faith and lifestyle and desire. And this, and this view really just keeps people 
from coming to Jesus because there's no incentive. Like, why would you ever do anything that Jesus said if we're all going to end up in the same place with God forever? That's universalism. Some people believe in what is called uh, annihilationism, which really just says that when people die, those who love God will be with him forever, but those who don't at some point will just cease to exist. That there's no eternal separation from God that you just cease to exist. And, and people, this comes up because people can't, they don't like to understand the Bible, they can't understand how God is love and he would allow someone to be eternally separated from him. And so they say, well, that can't be right, so we're gonna make a new theological stance called annihilationism. Some people believe that. Then there's reincarnation which tends to be the view of of many Eastern religions that when you die, you come back in a different form to pay off your karmic debt. If you grew up Catholic, there's the view of purgatory. You've likely heard of this, but this is the view that when you die, and if you're not quite ready to be in heaven yet, you go to kind of like a holding tank for a little bit to, to kind of get ready and pay off like all the stuff and all the ways that you've messed up until you're good enough to go to heaven. Guys, I could keep going, but I'll stop. Why in the world would I even talk about this? Listen, I talk about this because everyone needs to know what happens after you die. You need to know. As Daniel was getting this vision, his perspective on life was being expanded. And that's my prayer for all of us today. I know that in a room this size, there's some of you here that you think the worst possible thing in life is to die. I need you to know that the worst thing in life is not to die. The worst thing is to die without Jesus. You need to know that. Because here's the truth. Because when we look at the Bible, which is the word of God, validated by Jesus after his resurrection where he showed himself to be God, the Bible would simply say that all those perspectives that I just shared are just erroneous. Because look back to verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Doc, so when we die, we go on forever. And when Jesus comes back, all humanity will have a bodily resurrection. And some will wake up to eternal life, as Daniel says, and some will awake to eternal shame. Or if you say it in another way, some will awake to heaven, some will awake to hell. But when we talk about the resurrection, okay, this means that somebody was physically alive and then they were physically dead for a period of time where their body and their soul were separated. The Apostle Paul says in in 2 Corinthians 5, 8 that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so the body goes into the ground, the soul goes into the presence of God, and then ultimately, upon the second coming of Jesus, which this vision of Daniel is all about, those who are dead will have their body and their soul rejoined and they'll be resurrected to live forever in one of two places. But I want you to hear, it's, it's not so much about place, but it's about person. It's not so much about a place that we go to, but a person that we go to, that if you love Jesus, you're gonna be with him forever. This is what heaven is. But if you don't love Jesus and you don't want to be with Jesus and you don't want to follow Jesus, you don't want to worship Jesus, you don't want to listen to Jesus, then you're going to be separated from him ultimately, from his grace, his love, his provision, eternally. And the only opportunity people have, including you and me, for salvation, for eternal life with God, forgiveness of sin, is while we have breath in our lungs on this planet. 
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, it's appointed once to die, then judgment. And so you die once and you stand before Jesus as judge and you will eternally go into his presence or away from his presence. This is what people refer to as heaven and hell. And I know that there are people likely in this room, but for sure in this city that would look at and listen to the things that I'm saying right now and say, it is so unkind of you to say that there are certain people that are not going to go to heaven. But here's where I'm at. I think it's incredibly unkind to not tell them that. Because this is not my truth, this is not my idea, this isn't something that our church family just kinda came up with and we're trying to propagate and get a following, but this is God's truth, his words to us, and I want everyone to go to heaven. Everybody. But the question is, is like, who gets in? Who gets in? Is it the really religious people? Is it the really disciplined and spiritual people? Is it the people who grew up in a Christian home who have perfect church attendance? Is it the really generous people? Is it the people who got baptized and have their hands up in the air? Like, who who is getting in? Look back to verse one. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And this is so important, all right? The mention of this book points us to the book of life in Revelation 20 and the Lamb's book of life in Revelation 13 and 21. And the big question that every single one of us need to answer today is this. Please hear me on this. This is a question for all of us. Is your name written in that book? Is your name written in that book? And I need to tell you that on your own, No matter how moral or how generous or how spiritual you are on your own, your name is not in that book. Guys, you could be born in the church. You could be baptized in the church. You could have your marriage in the church. You could have your funeral in the church and you could wake up in hell. Because it is none of that that saves us. It is only Jesus. And the reality is that we all have sin in our life and it separates us from God. And God tells us of our sin, not to like bum us out, not to like make us feel bad, but to give us hope and to give us a desire to run to Jesus, to find forgiveness and eternal life, avoiding eternal shame and contempt. And this is the reason that we love Jesus so much, amen? Because this is what Jesus does. We know that sin is real, that death is real, that resurrection is real, judgment is real, eternity is real, and Jesus is our only rescue. And I want everyone to meet Jesus. I mean, this is the reason that we started this church, to make it harder for people to go to hell. And I want you to know that if you don't know Jesus, you need to know Jesus. Don't get wrapped up into church life. Don't get wrapped up into religion and spirituality. Just get wrapped up in Jesus. It's him. You need Jesus above everything that you think you need in your life. You need him. He loves you. He loves you. We don't have an angry God in heaven that's looking at you and saying, you're pathetic. He looks at you and he says, I live for you, I died for you, I rose for you. Come to me so I can save you. And if you come to Jesus, he will give you his righteousness, he will take your sin that separates you from God, and you will have this day to look forward to. And no one is too far gone. No one has believed the wrong things long enough. No one has done too many bad things. No one who's been, what? Jesus has come and he did all of this for you. And if you come to him, you have this day to look forward to where you will receive 
a resurrected body in perfection that's no longer subject to sin and sadness and suffering and you will be entering into the kingdom of God where he will come and he will wipe away every tear from your eye and it will be just glory and joy. This is the day, Christian, that we wait for. Amen? This is the day. Come to Jesus. The third eschatological truth of life from Daniel 12 is this is that knowledge and understanding bring security. Verse four, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. All right, so at the conclusion of this vision, Daniel's just told to write it all down, to seal it up, and there can be some confusion around this, but to close and to seal these words of this book didn't mean to hide it and to keep it secret because all the visions and all the words that God gave to Daniel was given to help and encourage his people in the coming future. And so to seal this book indicates that God doesn't want his revelation to be messed with and that he's authorized these words as a testimony to Daniel and he's gonna seal it to preserve it and to authenticate it. And so this revelation of Daniel is concerning a rescue that is not complete, but it's sure. And what he says is that Daniel is receiving all of these written things, but it's not going to be fully understood until the time of the end, until these things start to happen, and then it all starts to make sense. And if you compare this, if you compare this last chapter of Daniel with its New Testament counterpart, the book of Revelation, it's, it's actually really helpful, Okay that here in Daniel, he's told to seal this prophecy, but in Revelation 22, I think it's gonna come up here on the screen, the last chapter of the New Testament, here's what the angel tells the apostle John as he's getting a vision from God. Listen to this. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. And so here's what you need to know. Guys, we live in the days after the Apostle John. And so even if the words of Daniel's prophecy were sealed up because the people of that time couldn't understand them, we are no longer living in those times. And the entire word of God is open to us to read and to understand. And so this doesn't mean that we know everything and God has revealed all of his secrets to us because the truth is, guys, there is much that we have not been told. We still have a lot of questions. You know, for example, in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it speaks of these things, saying that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, which means they are God's business and not ours. But this verse goes on to say, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of the law. But here's the point. Church, there are many things that we don't know. And there will always be things about God that we will not understand because as the theologian Donald Blesch said, if we could fully comprehend God, that he would cease to be God. But even though we will not know everything and we won't have all of our questions answered, God has revealed what we need to know. He's revealed to us what we need to know and we're to treasure these things and to live by them. And again, this is why we have such a high emphasis on the Bible here, that this is God's words revealed to us to help us to know him, to know ourselves, to know what's true of the world that we live in. And we're, what we're seeing here in Daniel 12 is that to live by faith and to the knowledge of God given in his word is the first secret to living for God in the last days. But I want you to notice, okay? 
In this last chapter of Daniel, there's this emphasis on understanding. If you look at verse 4 and then again at verse 10, there's this lack of understanding by the wicked and a desire for understanding by the righteous. And in verse 4, where it talks about many going to and fro, okay, the Hebrew, the Hebrew verb here connotes just thoroughness. And so the idea is that in the last days, in the coming of the Antichrist, the coming, the second coming of Jesus, in these last days as God's people diligently devote themselves to understanding his words to us in the Bible, that they will have a clearer grasp on all that it means and they'll be encouraged to trust God and have assurance that even know how bad things get, that God wins and there's glory coming so they don't need to fear. And so specifically for those people that are going to be living at this end time when the Antichrist comes and brings great persecution and tribulation, if God's people know the words of Scripture, know what Daniel has prophesied, it will be a help to them that no amount of persecution, no amount of tribulation, no amount of death will be able to remove their name from the book of life. That they're secure in the love and the power of God and this will give perspective to them as they walk through hard times. Just like it did with Daniel as he walked, we've been watching him walk through this entire book. But I I want you to know, guys, that this is not just about for people in the future. Because for us today, we, we need to know and understand God's word. Because if we don't, we'll be tempted and pressured to stray with the winds of culture that are in many ways anti God. And we've been talking about this all the way through the book of Daniel. But we live in a type of Babylon. We live in a type of Babylon where the spirit of this culture and the current of this culture and ideology is not pushing people towards God, but it's pulling them away. And if we're not rooted and tethered to the word of God and the ways of God, we can so easily drift away from him and start believing lies about ourselves, himself, our purpose here, And this is something so incredibly sad if you've ever seen this happen to people. And I know some of your stories, and that's your story, that you were once kind of like walking with Jesus and close to Jesus and you were in his word, and then you kind of just drifted away and started getting preoccupied with other things, and soon enough, like that just became the old way of life and just kind of like the archaic way of life, and now you're on to more refined things and the academy and all of these different things, and you just stray away. We need to be rooted in God's word or we will fall. The word of God teaches us what's true. And that's a truth that not only sets us free but brings about like a deep assurance and security in our life about our identity and our destiny. The fourth eschatological truth about life is this. God is in control and he's always on time. Verse five. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. Okay, so two other angels joined Daniel and the angel that is giving this vision. Verse six, and some said to the man, and someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. So this is the angel that's been speaking to Daniel. The other one asks a question, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? So how long? The tribulations are coming, hard times are coming, people are gonna suffer. The question is, is like how long? 
Verse 7, and I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and a half a time. And this should, re, this should make you go back to Daniel chapter 7. This is the same figure that we saw there in verse 25. And it's equivalent to three and a half years, speaking of the duration of the tribulation that God's people will go through at the end when the Antichrist comes. But he goes on to say, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end and all these things will be finished. Verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand. Anyone just like with Daniel? You're like, okay, what the heck are you talking about, bro? Right? This should just comfort you. I'm hearing all this, but I'm not really getting it. Then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcomes of these things? Daniel's asking questions for clarification. Verse nine, he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time From the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. Okay, so there is so much that could be said about these verses, but here's what I want you to know. God is in control and God is always on time. And when we understand this and trust in the goodness and the power and the plan of God, guys, there is so much joy and trust and contentment released into our lives. See, for all of us, as we contemplate the future, you know, outside of what we know from God's words to us about it, much is uncertain. And the openness of the future of our lives, for some of you, this brings about a lot of anxiety. And this anxiety creates like control issues within you, depression, overworking, meticulous planning, and so on. But for God, he doesn't see the future as open and uncertain. God sees the future as closed. He sees the future as certain, sealed, and secure. That we can wonder about the future. And we can extrapolate about the future, but God is over future. He is beyond time, and he knows it all. You just need to know this. And I know, guys, that you might hear this and you might be like, okay, like, well, how does, how does that work? Because I really don't know. I got a three-pound fallen brain that went to public school. Okay, I don't know. This is one of those things that we just have to trust in. And we hear and we trust this. There's much in our world that we don't understand, but we trust and it brings about peace and contentment. But Daniel has been showing us through this entire book that God knows and rules over history. And because this is true, we can actually trust him. And if you look at verse seven, as the angels are talking about this idea, they swear an oath to God by raising both of their hands. And the angel says that everything in the future is kind of just written out. And now it just needs to play out on the stage of human history. Now, before we move on, I want to remind you that that. God is not only in control of like the big picture, but I need you to see that God is in the details. All right, my wife is a planner. Any planners in here? Okay, one, wow. Bunch of free spirits here, that's awesome. We can get along really well, right? But for some reason, like God keeps bringing people in my life that like I love that are just like, they're planners. And my wife, she, she doesn't just use a phone. She has like one of those big paper planners, right? And just like, well, what are we doing tomorrow? And she pulls it out. She's like, I don't know. 
Anyway, like you just, she goes in there and she's got things written out. I know what I'm doing like three months from now at the exact time, okay? So I want you to know that God is kind of like that. He's in the details. And we've seen throughout our, this, in our study, right, the vision in chapter two with the statue representing the kingdoms to come. Then in chapter seven where we see the events of the coming of the Antichrist. Again in chapter eight, with the details of the coming of the Grecian kingdom with Alexander the Great and then Antiochus, this little horn. God is in the details as we study scripture and human history just shows us this great truth about him. And even when we look at verses 11 and 12, where it talks about the 1290 days and the 1335 days, guys, let me just say this. All right, we just read that Daniel said, okay, I don't really understand what this all means. And Doxa, I wanna tell you, like the Apostle Paul, he says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing the word of God, not always understanding it. There are things that we can know to be true, but we might not actually understand. So don't feel bad when you come to the Bible and you're like, I don't get it. All right, there's, there's things in this book that have not been fully revealed to us yet that I, I cannot sit here and be dogmatic about what this actually means. There's things that are hard for us to comprehend. But when it comes to these numbers, all right, I'm not gonna press to make any like exact claims without having a lot of time to explain it, but this much I believe I can say confidently that God promises to bless those who endure and persevere through the difficult times and tribulations that will come with the coming of the Antichrist. And these specific numbers affirm God's sovereign control over the details of history. He is that in control. So things will move ahead just as God has decreed and things will end just as God has decreed. And this is, guys, this is just a wonderful truth that just fills us with hope and assurance even if there remains a mystery to us with the particularities. God is in control and he's always on time. And so let me just ask you this, guys. Do you trust God with your future? I mean, do you? Do you trust God? We've been watching his sovereign hand so meticulously guide human history. We've been discovering him as like a father and a powerful king. Yet if you're anything like me, I almost like in the midst of worry and anxiety and stress, like I forget about that God. What does your worry and your stress and your anxiety say about your trust in God? This is just something to talk about in your connection groups, to go to God in prayer and just ask him and just confess. I mean, I, I, I could bring out my journal and just show you the things that are happening in my life and being like, God, I know you're good. I know you're a father. I know you can help me. But I am really scared right now. And I find over and over and over again me praying the prayer, I think of the guy in Mark chapter nine, like, give me faith. Do you trust God? Talk about that this week. And remember the book of Daniel. And let this just fuel your trust in the sovereignty of God and the details of your life. Okay, the fifth and last eschatological truth of life is this. Faithfully walking with Jesus is worth it. Verse 13. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest, and you shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. 
So this is the way the book ends with a personal note to Daniel that can help all of us. The angel says, go live your life. You're in your last years, but there's still work for you to do. And when it's time for you to retire from work, then I want to bring you home and then you will be at rest and then you will rise and then you will receive the inheritance, which is his allotted place in the eternal kingdom of God. And so let me end our study of Daniel with two things. First, for our older brothers and sisters here, I, I want to talk to you. As this book concludes, Daniel is 85 to 90 years old. He's in his retirement years. And for many older people, this is when we moved to Florida or Scottsdale or something like that, right? And you just live in retirement for years. And for many older people, this is just kind of like when we just kind of check out. Guys, I want you to see Daniel doesn't retire. Daniel reinvests. Please hear me on this. Daniel doesn't retire and check out, but he realizes that if he's still alive, there's still a purpose to his life, that God's not done with him. God still has work for him to do, and this is true for you as well. And for those of you here who are older, you've walked with Jesus for a long time, you've gained a lot of wisdom throughout many years of hardships and sufferings and joys, you need to know that you have so much to offer, and the family of God actually needs you. I'm begging you, Please don't retire. Reinvest your life for the kingdom of God. We need you. I need you. These college students in Salt Company, they need you. Don't retire. Reinvest. I've been lucky enough to see this done so well. My mother, for example, she's been retired for I don't even know how many years now. But she has reinvested her life in walking alongside younger women, helping young moms figure out how to mom without hiding behind the cute shirts you get on Etsy, but actually figuring it out, teaching young women how to read the Bible, how to be a godly wife. She's reinvested. I mean, my grandfather, he died when he was like 90-some years old just a few years ago. I did his funeral, and I remember for the last several years of his life, he wanted to reinvest, but he literally couldn't move. And so what his reinvestment looked is he sat in his chair and he prayed all day. And he prayed for this church when we were still meeting back at the Sheridan. He prayed for some of you that have come to Jesus. Reinvest your life. And secondarily, when Daniel is told to go his way, this meant to just keep living his life as he had been, to keep doing the things that he was doing. And so as we think about Daniel, this angel is just saying, keep loving God. Daniel was resolved. He was steadfast in prayer. He was saturated with the word of God. Go, live your life this way. To keep loving people Daniel was a servant. He served Nebuchadnezzar, this man that was just terrible. And he would go, Daniel would go to whoever God put in his place and intersected his life with to speak for God, to love like God. It meant to keep going, recognizing his place under God with a mission. Doxa Church, 
Let's be these types of people. As we live in a type of Babylon, let's be these types of people. Loving God, loving people, recognizing our place under him with a mission to take Jesus to the world. This is God's desire for our church. That as we long for the glory of heaven and the return of Jesus, where he will usher in a perfect kingdom of peace and joy, as we wait for that day, let's keep going our way. Seeking the way of Jesus for the glory of God and the good of this city. So here's where we're going to end. Before the band leads us to respond, as the two greatest questions, the two most important questions in the Christian life, I really believe, is what is God saying and what are we going to do about it? We've just spent 12 weeks going through the book of Daniel, this amazing book. I don't want to just close it, sing a song, get hyped, and leave, but I want you just to sit right now, look through your notes over the last couple months, think back, and ask those two questions. What is God saying to you? What was the thing that you took from this? What is he saying to you right now? Identify that, and then don't leave this place without coming up with a plan of how you're going to respond. What are you going to do about it? Go before God, do some work, and then we'll sing.